Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Riverfront. This is episode number 445 of the world's most dangerous podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Luis Quinones. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, once again, my guy, Nate Dotson. How are you, Nate? Chad, I am spectacular. Um, It's a beautiful day here in Central Virginia, where I currently am. But I say currently because I'm going to be somewhere else tomorrow along with you in the great city of Austin, Texas, where we will be celebrating what? My bachelor party. My birthday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your bachelor party. Both. It's a a combined (laughs) event. <laughs> no, I'm excited about it, and so you may have noticed this. Uh, the, the show is in your feeds a day early, and this that's why we had to had to adjust because uh, we gotta we gotta get Nate uh, batched up or something. Yeah. I don't know. And so anyway, uh, before we go much further, we're here to talk about the Reds, but I do want to uh, mention a couple things really quickly. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, smash the subscribe button. If you're listening to the audio version, why not subscribe? Why not subscribe and you get to listen to my wonderful, gorgeous accent every single week? Just delivered automatically to your phone. I mean, it's, it's, it's like the perfect crime. Wherever where you find podcasts, we're at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, everywhere. Well, I don't care. You, if, you, if you can name the place, we're there. And one last quick thing, this show would not be possible without the support of our uh, Patreon family at patreon.com slash riverfrontsensi. So if you want to you know, help keep the ship, ship afloat, Come on and join us if you want. Uh, this free show is going to be in the feeds every single week, but there's some goodies over at the uh, the Patreon feed as well. So anyway, um, Nate, let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds this week for the Reds. Uh, you know, um, there have been better weeks, I guess. The Reds had a five-game series with the uh, the hated St. Louis Cardinals. And, of course, they, uh, they, they won a couple of those, but lost the three in the middle. And then uh, one game so far, as we record this on Tuesday night, one game against the Boston Red Sox, and the, and the Reds lost that for their 90th loss of the season. Um, okay, so yeah, the season's still going on, evidently. I mean, uh, they're still playing baseball, and that 100 loss mark at 101 is still kind of in the mix here. We, we were excited about that the first two weeks of the season for some reason. <laughs> it's it's in play. Um I think I would need an 11 to go or something like that. 11 out of 14 to tie the record. Come on, guys. You can do this. Um, I don't know. We're still playing baseball. We're still Reds fans. and We're still here talking about it. It's not been particularly exciting, but losing to the cards always stinks. But there was at least one good game in the mix there, and that was Hunter Green making his comeback on Saturday. Um, man, my guy was electric. He just dropped it in six innings. No earned runs, no walks, 11 strikeouts. Because that's what Reds rookies do. They just wake up and get 11 strikeouts. <laughs> I've yeah. never seen anything that's, like it. 11 strikeouts, no walks, yeah. Um, that's exactly what uh, Nick Lodola had done in his two previous starts. Yeah, broke his own record of most pitches, uh, 101 plus, uh, or 100 miles an hour or higher, most strikeouts on pitches, 100 or higher. Um, had one at 102 point six or 102.7 mm-hmm. something just uh yeah I, we we, rat, we raved about the hunter green all all year and uh maybe he just needed a little rest i don't know what the deal is there but man he, that's as good as he's looked maybe he's feeling the pressure from nick Lodolo. we called nick Lodolo an ace last week maybe he's feeling the pressure from nick Lodolo. i don't mind those two battling it out for uh oh. supremacy in the reds rotation yeah for the next 10 or 15 years it'd be great 
I think Hunter was really excited because he was getting ready to uh, get reconnected with his good buddy Tommy Pham. <laughs> that did happen. That did happen. Uh, so if you all may have seen some of the video uh, of Tommy Pham talking to Reds uh, players and personnel on the uh, on the mound or near the mound pregame. Uh, okay, Tommy Pham. Well, yeah, is he... the Reds players they didn't still like him. Um, he was bragging that he beat uh, Joe Kunal in fantasy football this week to go 2-0. and And I'm just not sure that uh, Tommy Pham should be bringing up fantasy football, but he has very little self, uh, uh, you know, um, understanding. But uh, welcome back, Tommy Pham, I guess, whatever. Yeah, it seemed like there was a lot of hugs and hand panels going around. Nick Lodolo took them out in that game. And he wasn't the sharpest, but still got seven strikeouts in five innings. I mean, it's unreal what these yeah. guys are doing. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, the the things we kind of uh, – early in the year when the season was lost, and what are the things you're looking for this season? And that was one of the things we constantly talk about. Oh, these young guys, you know, how, how are they going to develop? And there have been some injury issues, which, okay, that's going to happen. Uh, but by and large, all we've seen from those two and another one we're going to talk about in a moment is just, you know, the, the, the chart trends upwards with all of them. And so, you know – would you have liked to seen all of them win 20 games uh, and have an ERA of 1.5? Yeah, of course. But I, I, there's no, I don't know that there's much they could have done this year that could make me more excited than I already am for uh, what the, we have the, the next two years or next year and then the next few years after that, hopefully, until uh, they move to Seattle. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm I just I I'm t- I'm I'm terribly excited. That's what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> yeah, well, we should have um, probably six reasons to really tune in in this last two weeks. Um, a fun stat that I saw, stat lines, in each of their last five starts, this is before the uh, current Red Sox series, Nicoladolo, 3.31 ERA, 32 and two-thirds innings, striking out 41 and walking four. Hunter Green, 29 and a third innings, 2.15 ERA, 40 Ks, eight walks. And Graham Ashcraft, the one we have not mentioned yet, my man, my bro, president of his fan club, can't marry my sister, but you can come like hang out with us at family reunions and stuff. 2.67 ERA, 33 and two-thirds innings with 24 Ks and eight walks. Yeah, what else could you ask for? You know, unfortunately, the rest of the product stinks, but we're having fun still, right? Right. Well, what more right. – <laughs> we're, we're trying. What more could you ask for? You know, Luis Castillo, uh, oh, <laughs> Tyler Malley, uh, Sonny, Sonny Gray. That's what, what, a- what more for. could you ask for from those three guys? Absolutely. 100%. And you did mention Graham Ashcraft. Graham Ashcraft had, did a rehab start uh, this week in Lou, uh, for Louisville and did not do well at all. Not great. It was not a good time, but I don't care. And the Reds don't care either. He They announced he will be back for his next start in the big league. So just what I was hoping to see, all three of those guys are going to finish the year on the big league uh, staff. And I don't know. I wanted to see that because, again, yeah. We're watching every night anyway, so might as well give us something to, to watch. But that's exciting. I mean, look yeah. at Graham Ashcraft's numbers. I mean, <laughs> this is a guy that I, I, I hope nobody won't go back into the archives and listen to our discussions before the season about Graham Ashcraft because I just I, I didn't know didn't know what to uh, to make of him. But he's been mm-hmm. you know ups and downs like rookie pitchers have. But I, sure. I, I'm blown away. Lodolo, I'm not surprised. I'm very pleased, not surprised. Hunter Green, not surprised. Very pleased, but not surprised. Graham Ashcraft, 
I'm I'm genuinely surprised about that, um, that he's been able to be that effective with his pitch mix. Um, but it's it, it's it's kind of special, you know. I, I wrote about him uh, a few months back after I was became a full full believer. I think he can do this. I think he can be a starter long term. And if he's your number three starter, uh, that's that's not a bad place to start. That's not a, no. in terms of building a rotation the next few years. That's not a bad place to start. And, and and the legend of Connor Overton may return at some point too. This is true. Um, I mean, yeah. If you look at that guy and his ceiling is a two or three starter. Um, Playing the averages, he could be a four or five starter, but his very, very, very basement bottom level floor is a lights out reliever. I mean, yes, that's just value. That's value, and it is a uh, you know low risk pick signing when they got him. And you know, don't worry too much about that last rehab start. I have some inside sources down in Louisville, and they tell me that the smelling sauce in the minors just aren't the same. They weren't so kicking. Can't quite yeah. get you up there where you need to be for the big <laughs> league. So he needs some big league smelling salts. For a big well, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. He needs a big boy smelling salts. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned as well that the, the point about him being a reliever, because that's what I'd always said. Ah, he looks like he's a reliever long-term to me. And and that still may be the case. I, we don't know if it is or not. But the point is we have enough data now to know that if he is does end up being a reliever, there's no reason he can't be a lights-out, back-of-the-bullpen guy. Um, and mm-hmm. that's that, that's exciting. So wherever you he ends up, uh, he's going to help this team going forward. I joked about Connor Overton a moment ago, and he's trying to he's trying to make it back. Um, Connor Overton was really good in four starts, but every time so, I mentioned Lodolo, Ashcraft, and uh, Ed Hutter Greed, about every time I mentioned those three together, someone wants to say, "And you know what? They're going to have uh, Connor Overton back next year too," which is you know great. I, I hope so. I hope Connor Overton comes back and uh, pitch with a with a one point eight two ERA like he like he has. Uh, this year, but uh, yeah, Connor Overton's going to be 29 next year. I, he's and he's never done anything up until his eight, four starts of his age 28 season. Now those were four amazing, amazing starts. But um, I, I kind of jokingly put him in that group because people keep saying that to me, and I hope he is. Right? That'd be great. But yeah, sure. um, and if he is, you know what? And some pitchers do figure it out late. But if he does, and he's your number four starter, that could be great. Uh, you know, because he they've got him under team control forever, basically. So. Uh, Yahoo. The way, Reds five fans, the way Reds fans fall in love with random players never ceases to crack me, stop cracking me up, man. They, yeah. Like Carl Oden, who is on no one's radar, makes four starts and suddenly is the second coming. I don't understand. It's, put him on the Reds Mount Rushmore with Kyle Farmer and Chris Steins and Brian Phil. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, you know, I, I, it, it's partially it has to be just the, who, who has to root for and you know, you're trying to look for reasons to be optimistic. So here's this guy that pitched really well for four starts. So maybe that's the guy because we don't have anything else to root for. But yeah, you're you're right. We we have a tendency to oh, fall we'll in love to root with. For uh, oh, I root for I root for all of them. Uh, a little difficult to root for Tommy Pham for some reason, but I I rooted for him when he came to bat. I wanted him to get a hit. You know, these guys wear the like uh, like Jerry Seinfeld said. You know, we're rooting for laundry. They were they put on that Reds wishbone C man. They're my guys because we're hopeless uh, about that one started following a team we were kids and we stuck with them sports is weird sports, sports is, is weird. crazy speaking of hopeless we need to talk about another oh. reds player do we we're here this is the show <laughs> okay. for we don't we don't avoid the hot topics we avoid the store hot topic in your local mall 
<laughs> we don't avoid hot topic. Yeah, so you know, um, someone said uh, on Twitter the other day that uh, the the top three Reds in games played this year, and actually, I probably have that uh, here. Um, only three players with more than a hundred games played, which is just just crazy to think about, you know. And it was uh, Kyle Farmer with 131, and um, actually, I only see one other player with. <laughs> with more than 100 games played. Interesting. And the other one was Nixon Zell. Nixon Zell, of course, played in 110 games this season. Nixon Zell famously uh, always uh, often injured. Finally, he got a chance to, you know, 110 games is, is a lot for him. Well, he uh, collided with the wall in center field in the uh, first game on Tuesday night versus the Boston Red Sox and um, broke his toe. So, Two weeks remain in the season. He's on the injured list. He's done for the year. And the Nixon Zell saga is going to be a, a, an interesting one as we move into next season. And before we talk about that, and we have a, a good question with that, I, let's kind of pass judgment on his 2022 season. I've been the guy that's, all right, if he can ever get a chance to play extended time, it'll be his chance to finally show us what he can do and uh, still hopeful as, as I've said, I've been uh, honest about my, uh, my, my hopes when it comes to Nixon Zill. And they were all, we were all hoping that he would do well. I'm sure it goes back to what we we're just saying. But the fact of the matter is he got over 400 plate appearances this year, 420 blaze it up. Um, and he hit 231 with a 296 average 306 slugging. Five homers, 13 doubles. Um, he's 27 years old. He got an extended look this year, and those uh, those days of being a top prospect are starting to fade a little bit. Yeah, well, first off, I want to know who put that wall there. How, how dare it <laughs> fracture his toe? It came out of nowhere. It's just Yeah, well, yeah. Nobody saw not it. Cool. Not cool. <laughs> um, he got those plate appearances, and I think that there is a world where you'd have asked me going into into the season what I hoped for, what were my expectations from Nixon's that what would I consider a success? Getting 400-plus play appearances in 100-plus games probably would have been on there in some capacity. Unfortunately, the, uh, the results have been bad. Um, you just can't sugarcoat it. I think that there are enough encouraging things from my, uh, a late-season uh, stance and swing change that they should – continue to give him looks. They they expect to be bad next year and need people to play the outfield so he can do that. He's not going to be expensive, but there are some – the giant red flags were always if he's healthy. Can he be healthy when he's healthy? Yeah. But now the question marks are a little bit different. We've seen him relatively healthy, and he played like doo-doo butter. <laughs> yeah, it's that's bad. that sounds horrible. Um, yeah, I mean, the defense, it's hard to make a defense for him this time. We can still be optimistic and, and hope, but if you'd have told me he was going to get 420 plate appearances, I would have said he's going to be at least an average play hitter. Mm -hmm. uh, just, I, I, I would have, I would have bet uh, a lot of your money on that. And he just, uh, he hasn't been. So that, that brings us around to our first viewer mail question of the night. As always, these questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfront where you too can support the world's most dangerous podcast. Kyle Kapler asks, how shocked would you be if Nixon Zell is non-tendered this offseason, I think it's getting to the point where he's just occupying a roster spot 
and I think I would rather have kept Albert Almora over him. Now, um, now, now, settle down, Kyle. <laughs> that's um, that's questionable. That's questionable. Uh, Albert Almora, of course. Um, a better number- offensive player than Nixon Zell this year. <laughs> well, slightly, slightly, uh, but come on. Uh, but I guess it's arguable, Kyle, you know. But it, the question from Kyle is, what are the chances they non-tender him? You know, basically just don't uh, don't offer him a contract and he's gone. And I think the chances are zero for that. Now, is it because they still think he can break out? I can't say that. But it's something Nate touched on a moment ago, which is they just don't have outfielders. And he's still going to be relatively cheap. And um, they've already invested significant funds in him. And do they have anyone that can play the position defensively as well as him? No, but I don't think there's any chance. Nate, you you have you want to argue with me? I agree with your point entirely. The only thing I was going to argue with is whether or not they have someone that could play defense as well as he can, and that's the guy that got called up to replace him on the injured list. Injured list. We should get to that in a minute. Um, Sinzel, I think that yeah, you you keep him over someone like. Albert Almora Jr. because of there's still that chance. There's still that the pedigree. Yeah, the pedigree. There's that investment. And Almora Jr. was a big prospect too, but he's never done anything in the majors. And we might be saying that about Nick Senzel in a year or two. But I think um, I shouldn't even say a year or two. I think he has one one season left. Yeah. Before at the very least he'll get uh, you know, he'll be a change of scenery type of guy. And those guys pan out sometimes, but Gosh, I will. I want it to be here. We just, I feel it feels like one of those guys that really matters to us. And it's been bad. Yeah. I mean, it was a centerpiece basically of the last rebuild in a lot of ways. Uh, his, the hope that came with his drafting and, and his prospect rankings and, and, and the way he performed in the minor leagues. And so, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I, I've said so many words about Nixon Zell uh, here on the show and in print that it's it's hard to know what to say. But I think the, the reason why there's no chance I think he gets non-tendered is something that Nate said a moment ago. And this is small sample size. And do we make anything of it? Probably not. But the swing change, stance change at the end of the season, he was absolutely hitting the ball harder. His exit velocities were absolutely – I mean, it was noticeable. It, was, it wasn't just – yeah, it was something he ne- hadn't done before. So – can the Reds talk themselves into, oh, maybe he can be an average hitter. If he's an average hitter, he's a perfectly cromulent center fielder is the way he plays yeah. center field. Um, he's just never been an average uh, hitter in the major leagues for an extended amount of time. So uh, so he's here next year. He's probably starting, uh, presuming he's healthy, he's your starting center fielder on opening day. But yeah, his leash has gotten to the end of the uh, of the of uh, of its length, uh, and I hate it. And But I hope he can do it, but I, I'm done telling you that it's a likelihood. So... So to replace him, the Reds called up one Michael Ciani. Michael Ciani uh, is on, on the uh, let's see was one of the only ones on the on the forty man roster. Um, no, he, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was on the was he on the forty man roster? I don't, see, I don't even know what I'm talking about. He was not, but they were going to have to add him after the season anyway if they wanted to protect him from the Rule Five draft. So that's what it was. See, I knew I, I knew what I'm talking about. Uh, Michael Ciani gets a uh, his first shot at the big leagues. And uh, outstanding, outstanding defensive outfielder, as you noted, has uh, not exactly torn the, you know, the, uh, the world on fire at the plate, but uh, he gets to join this uh, 
this uh, glorious outfield for a couple of weeks, and good luck to him, I guess. you have any thoughts about Michael Ciani? I have one that I'm going to mention in a moment while I will never root for him, but go ahead. I do, and I'm kind of excited about him for some reason. Um, it's kind of weird that we're talking now about if if Sinzel can only be a league average hitter. We're kind of saying if he can only be Michael Ciani. Uh, he's a fourth-round pick in 2018, plus, plus, plus defense in the center field. People that have watched him play regularly say it is just exciting. It is a joy to watch him patrol center field. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of that. Some people are saying that he might even be better than Riverfront and Chad Dotson favorite. One Billy Hamilton. Uh, let's not be silly. Come on, <laughs> who who would say such nonsense? I don't know. We will see. Well, the proof will be in the pudding. But the guy's got speed for days. Forty nine stolen bases, only twelve caught stealing. Um, he had one hundred and two weighted runs created plus in the minors this year. If he can find a way to keep that around a hundred, just be, be league average in offense with. His speed and defense, he could have a legit career. Let's, let's give him a shot. The guy's, I think he's been made three stops in the minors on the way to, or this is his third stop this year. Climbing the ladder, it's exciting. Sort no, of. it's not exciting at all. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, dis, I actively dislike Michael Ciani. I, he's the one, I talked a moment ago about cheering for Lander. He's the one red that I will actively root against. Um, I, I, he's, he's disloyal. He is, uh, I, I can't say enough bad things about Michael Ciani. Nate, so you know, I, uh, I absolutely, and I'm not kidding either. I'm not joking. I, we we laugh and joke here, but uh, here's here's the situation. The Reds drafted him in the fourth round, as you noted. And uh, do you know before he was drafted out of high school, he was committed to play college baseball. Did you know this? He had committed to a college baseball program, and uh, that college baseball program was the University of Virginia, 2015 <laughs> national champs, Wahoo Wah, and he rejected Virginia to sign with uh, Cincinnati. How dare you, Michael Ciani? How dare you? You want me to root for you? No, 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 no. You're the enemy of this podcast from now on. <laughs> Sorry, Nate. I had to get off my chest. I mean, that's totally legit, totally rational thinking, and <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame that he has to uh, – he didn't play for one of your favorite teams, so he could play for one of your favorite teams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Okay, yeah. So he did choose – my other favorite team. No, I, 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 I'm going to stand on principle here. He should have gone to Virginia because they haven't won a, another College World Series since 2015, and maybe he would have led them to the championship. Doc uh, so, Holliday talking uh, to Johnny Ringo. Nope, I'm sure of it. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> oh, yeah, so Michael Ciani, you're dead to me. Good luck to you, but uh, uh, actually not good luck to you. Bad luck to you. Um, all right, after that ridiculous diatribe against some <laughs> poor guy who's just trying to make a living in baseball, uh, welcome to the big leagues, buddy. You're going to get some criticism up here. Mm -hmm. You're not, you don't escape it. This is, this is the big leagues. We're not um, the world's most dangerous podcast for nothing. Exactly. Uh, that's really all the news for the week. I did want to mention just quickly here, Nate, if we could, because I, nothing if not a, a huge, massive self-promoter. I, uh, I wrote another piece this week for Cincinnati Magazine, uh, The Mothership, which uh, has hosted my college. It's the ninth season I've been writing for Cincinnati Magazine. That is crazy to me. Um, nine seasons. Good grief. Uh, nine really good seasons. Just bold all over your uh, literary reference page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, this week I wrote about trying to catch up with some of the other 
Reds that got traded away in the fire sale, uh, for both before the season and, and midway through the season. Just looking at what they were doing, but mostly it was a kind of a, a chance to convince people to uh, cheer for the Mariners for the next two weeks. Come back to the Reds after the next two weeks, but this Mariners team, you know, with with uh, Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker, Luis Castillo, another former Reds farmhand, uh, Tanner Trammell. Uh, I would note as well, uh, Stuart Fairchild, current one of our current favorites because he's a Red. He got three at-bats for the Mariners earlier this year. Um, he's played for three major league teams this year, Stuart Fairchild has. So good for him. He's going to work his way through the league. But I, I, essentially, I was making the argument, that's a fun team, and it's a fan base that's never had any success, basically. So uh, I feel good help, rooting for them to get something that we can't have, but they've had a worse history than, than even the Reds even in recent years, but also just how much that city of Seattle has fallen in love with Eugenio Suarez. It just, it does my heart good. It makes, it makes me have the warm fuzzies and uh, they're understanding what we've understood for so long that Gino is just, he's just the guy. And so I'm happy that he's had a great season. Um, any thoughts about uh, Gino or any of the rest of the, the, the Reds that may or may not be playoff bound. I, couldn't agree more with what you said. I will be rooting for them in the playoffs. I hope they make a long, long run. Um, Castillo has just been dealing over there, pitching to a sub three, of course, because that's what he does. Eugenio, uh, by some metrics, having the best season of his career when he was the throw-in for Jesse Winker, right. who's not been playing well. I don't know. You know, I think that uh, you know Nick Carl did a good job in getting back what he got, but. This season, at least, I think it's fair to say, would have been much more fun Were those guys still around. So I, it's not their fault they're gone. I rooted for them while they were here. Every single one of them was likable. I enjoyed it very, very much. And I'm going to keep rooting for them for the next few weeks. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, Jesse Winker, I, I looked at his numbers and I tried to figure out some way to argue that he was getting better. There's, that's just bad. I, I can't make heads or tails. It's by far the worst season he's had. Uh, but maybe he'll, he'll catch fire. Hey, Eugenio, uh, by wins above replacement, best, better than any season he had in Cincinnati. And I mean, and the dude was an all-star. The dude was great. Um, the dude hit like 90 home runs one year, I think, for the Reds. I can't remember exactly the it number. It was a record. Or something like that. Yeah, it was like a record or something. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for all those guys. And, uh, and oh, I don't know. I just love uh, the Seattle social media account, the Mariners social media account, just constantly good vibes only. And I, it really, it really hits me. Um, there's there is one other former red that we lost uh, from last year's team that is looks like is uh, currently anyway going to be in the playoffs, even though he's had not had a very good season. He's actually on the injured list right now. That's uh, our buddy Nick Castellanos. So I hope he gets some some October glory as well. Even though I can't bring myself around to cheering for the uh, the Phillies. Yeah, let's not go. Crazy. Um, in that uh, in that piece at uh, Cincinnati Magazine, and you should all go read everything I write at Cincinnati Magazine because it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. It's just, it's like William Faulkner decided to write about baseball. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. I'm very, I'm very modest as well. You, I'll, I'll tell you that. But uh, so talking about former Reds, I had to sneak in somebody that you mentioned earlier, Billy Hamilton. He snuck his way into yet another <laughs> Cincinnati Reds column in the year of our Lord 2022 because uh, he's playing with the Minnesota Twins now. Yeah, they're on the yeah. outside looking in, but man, you, you like having a guy like that on a playoff roster. <laughs> if it were a playoff roster, right. But <laughs> it turns out that Billy Hamilton has exactly the same number of hits. He's played in 10 games. 
is exactly the same number of hits as his fellow uh, former Reds on that roster, Sonny Gray and, and Tyler <laughs> Malley, who are pitchers and haven't actually batted. So, uh, God bless you, Billy Hamilton. I'm never going to stop uh, being a fan. Um, one last thing, Nate, before we uh, before we get into so, uh, the last viewer mail questions that we have here. I, see, I'm insane. I do the stupid podcast. I write that column, and I also have a newsletter about the Reds. That's that called the River. It was named the Riverfront before this show was 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 named that. And this week, if you're subscribed at chaddotson.substack.com, because again, I'm self-promoting. Um, what I wrote about was the most likable red. And, and the only reason I mentioned that is, well, there's two reasons. One is to promote myself because, you know, go subscribe to my free newsletter. I write words. You should want to read them. But um, the most, you, you said earlier, Luis Castillo, Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker, all just incredibly likable. I mean, I can't say a bad thing about any of those guys. I, I really, truly enjoyed rooting for them. The, the anti-Tommy fans. So I talked about the, uh, you know, the, the most likable Reds of my lifetime. And, and I, because and it was prompted by on Twitter. I said, Suarez might be the most likable Red of my life. And some people kind of came back at me and there were some other good ones. Uh, Sean Casey is the one that was mentioned by more people than anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who else do we have? Todd Frazier. Todd Frazier blocked everyone on in Redsland on Twitter on his way out the door, but he was a likable guy when he was here. Uh, I enjoyed uh, that guy. Uh, Vado, Barry Larkin, um, Brian Pena was one that I wanted to see what people thought because I put him in there. He was way more likable than people realized. But is there anyone that I missed there? Who, who comes to your mind when you think most likable red of your lifetime? Is it someone other than those names that I mentioned? Sean Casey is the one that pops up first. Um, no surprise to anybody that listens to this regularly, but Adam Dunn for me, um, is yeah, ability to carry a sense of humor on the ball field, I think, is uh, something you don't see too often. But no, I mean Gino. That's like I think that's the the, the triumvirate for me. The three that just bring a smile to your face for reasons that aren't just baseball. Yeah, uh, Gino is just uh, man. It hurt so bad when he was struggling the last year year and a half because and we'd say this on the show all the time. You remember, but oh, I hate saying it because he's such a nice guy and I want him to do well. Yeah, I really, really root for him. I, I can't believe I didn't mention Adam Dunn. In my piece, what was I thinking? You're on probation. I wax poetic about done forever, and you're not allowed to write for huh. the next three days. That's your punishment. Oh yes. Uh, I, well, I will guarantee you that I will serve that punishment. I'm not going to appeal that one to the league off. All right, you want to answer some viewer mail questions, Nate? Let's rock and roll. The first comes from again, uh, as I said, these come from our friends at uh, Patreon.com/slash RiverfrontCincy, the family. First is from Rex Scott. Now, let me just before preface these questions because um, when I sent the call out for questions at Patreon, I said, you know, if you want to, let me, let me see my exact wording. I'll tell you all a little peek behind the scenes of Patreon. Uh, do you have questions? We'll try to answer them. If they're related to the epic Reds, Red Sox, 1975 World Series, even better. And of course, uh, I don't know. I, I was afraid we weren't going to have enough to talk about. That's, that's one <laughs> this week. That's one reason for that. The second part is that the Reds are playing the Red Sox. So um, so that's why some of these may be 10 Reds, Red Sox. It's also because the Reds had evidently had some kind of a poll or something about what they were going to put on the field, what the logo they were going to put on the field. And the vote was overwhelming. 
it was the 1975 Reds logo that they put on the in center field in the grass, you know. And our buddy Chris Garber had a uh, a, a great a great comment on. It. He's like, "Oh, finally, the big red machine starts to get a little bit of uh, you know uh, publicity here in town, you know, something like that." So, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Rex Scott, appreciate the question or appreciate the ask for 1975 series questions, especially since most of the other patrons weren't around to watch that epic. I was, but I missed some of the most memorable moments thanks to my dictatorial mom. Oh no, Rex slamming, slamming his mom on the show here. She was pretty strict about bedtimes and sent me off to the sack, off to the sack before game six ended. I missed all the late inning action and what might have been the greatest series game of all time. She partially made up for it by saying I could watch all of game seven no matter how late it went. Is it acceptable to forgive her yet? I've always suspected her deeper motives because she grew up in Southern Illinois and is a lifelong Cardinals fan. Oh no, so this may have to be a forever grudge. Nate, is it acceptable for Rex to forgive his mother yet? Rex, I think you need to quit being so selfish. Your mom wanted you to go to bed. She wanted you, uh, she valued sleep and recovery, all the benefits that go along with that. She, she let you stay up as late as necessary for Game 7, for that World Series Game 7 win that you watched. And you think your mom is selfish. My mom hadn't even oh. given birth to me yet. <laughs> you want to talk about selfish. She waited 10 years. She timed it just so I would miss that one entirely and all of the other World Series in the past and also not be old enough to remember the next one. So if you think your mom it's selfish, Rex. <laughs> Let me tell you about a mom. <laughs> In rant. Okay. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. That was pretty selfish of, of your mother. Um, uh, I got to say, she has some other really, really great qualities and uh, <laughs> uh, an entirely lovable woman, but that's pretty selfish of her. Uh, Rex, come on. It's your mom. For, forgive her. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. I forgot. I was just been told from the, the home office. Uh, I was just reminded that she is a Cardinals fan. So, you know what? Tell her to take a hike. Cut her off entirely. That's unacceptable. <laughs> Completely unacceptable. Here's, uh, you know, uh, since, Nate, I'm going to mention uh, the mother you talked about. Uh, this is not just mother, but it's mother and father. But uh, they knew that uh, the worst thing they could do to punish me, this was uh, 1987. Indiana and uh, and Syracuse were in the championship game. And I was just a brand new college basketball fan still at that age. I was young. And... Um, the, they played in the finals, NCAA finals, and I was just so excited because I just was obsessed with college. Still, am a little bit obsessed with college basketball, but uh, I did uh, something for which I deserve to be. I don't know what it was, but I'm sure I deserve to be punished. And that was the punishment I got was that I could not watch the uh, NCAA championship game, and I was heartbroken. I mean, I was genuinely heartbroken, and they and, and they felt bad enough that they relented and let me watch the second half. Now, what can be said now is it's quite possible that young Chad um, found a place in the home where I could see down the hallway and see the television screen and watch that first half. And then I might have been watching it anyway when I was supposed to be in my room punished. But uh, but anyway, so since we're uh, since we're talking parents, uh, <laughs> Nate, I know you've got fantastic parents. And so we need to just give them a shout out. But Rex, because none of your parents are, are Cardinals fans. It's true. Outrageous, completely outrageous, Rex. 
How dare she? Um, although, Nate, you make a good point about how selfish your own mother is. <laughs> I like her, but that's that's selfish. All right, Seth Shaner has the next question. Here's Seth's question. In a chapter of my time-traveling book about baseball, parentheses, publishers wanted, time-traveling book about baseball. Man, I want to go on uh, on Audible and grab that one. My son and I witnessed Game 6 and Game 7 of the 1975 World Series. Not only that, but we were near the team bus when Pete Rose, maybe, told a bewildered Sparky Anderson that not only was Game 6 the greatest game ever, but that he was sure they would win Game 7. Sparky, possibly, was beside himself with anguish, having lost two World Series to that point and seeing another possibly taken from him. How would you have reacted in that moment? Having seen Fisk wave it fair, like Pete or like Sparky. Now, a couple things here. Uh, number one, we think of the Big Red Machine as a dynasty, but in 1975, and if you go back and listen to our uh, Building the Machine uh, series, limited series that we did here, um, it, it was not at all evident that the Reds were going to be a dynasty. They had lost two World Series during the Big Red Machine era. They had also had one other year where they were amazing and lost in the uh, National Championship Series to the, to the Mets. And, you know, after game six, if they lose another one, all of a sudden it becomes maybe Sparky's job is in danger. It looks like they're underachieving. And so how would I have reacted in that moment, having seen Fisk wave it fair? Like Pete, greatest game we ever played, but we're, I'm definitely going to win game seven. Or like Sparky, anguished over uh, possibly losing another one. Um, Nate, uh, I guess I've, I've uh, kind of vamped a little bit here for a long enough time to give you an opportunity. Is there anything you want to say before I tell you my answer? It depends on how old I was. If I was, you know, teenager or younger, I, I might have cried after game six. If I was in my 20s, I would probably had, you know, I would have been in my cups a little bit and may have been very unpleasant to be around. Um, my current age, I would stew in a way that would make myself disappointed in myself for caring so much. <laughs> But to react, to react like Pete Rose did in that moment, I think it's one of the coolest, coolest little anecdotes. How about you? It is, you know, say what, say what you want about Pete Rose, and people will say what they want. But yeah, that's that, that's always been one of my favorite anecdotes. That uh, while he was playing, he understood that it was a great game. Uh, I guess my answer is this: I would not have been there beside the bus to answer that question or to have that discussion, Seth, because I wouldn't have been at the game. I would have, uh, you know. I'd, I'd have left and I told my buddies, I, I got to go see about a girl and, uh, and miss the game. Now, bonus points if anyone knows what that's a reference to. Nate, do you know what that's a reference to? Was that a Freddie Prince Jr. movie? <laughs> <laughs> you know that I'm a connoisseur of Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> movies. No, that's uh, from, uh, from Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Robin Williams was a big Red Sox fan, but he missed game seven. His buddies all went, he, or game six. He missed it. Had to go see about a girl. Uh, and he, he was glad that he did it. So anyway, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out. I, every week I try to figure out some way we can talk about the movies instead of the Reds. And so there, there you go. Hey, I saw a good movie this week, Nate. Can I just mention that really quickly? Please. Do, do, you, do you like the horror movies? I like really, really good ones. Not one of my go-to genres, but The Future Wife is a big horror movie fan. So got your recommendation earlier today, and she's very excited to watch it. I despise horror movies. Always have. 
Not a fan whatsoever. But everyone kept raving about this one, and it's called Barbarian is the name of it. It's in theaters now. And so, my, and I can't say anything more about it because you do not want, don't go look for anything about it. You do not want it spoiled. But man, that movie was well made. I'm starting to wonder if I'm a horror fan now. I'm not. All right, let's uh, let's get back to the viewer mail. Sydney Price asks this: What is a socks, and why is it red? I'm not sure I have an answer to that, but I have a, a, a sort of a different question. Uh, Nate, what is a socks, and why is it red? That's a strange. I've been name. wondering wondering this for a long time myself. I don't know what the red ones are. There's white ones. There's there's bows apparently. Some guy named Bo has some socks. Evidently, I don't know who Bo is. So my question is this: What if the Reds had never changed from the red stockings? What if they just stayed the red stockings? And so the 1975 World Series would have been the red stockings versus the red socks. Would it be the red only legwear on legwear World Series in history? Oh, legwear! I, I, listen, let me just make clear. I do not approve of legwear on legwear violence. I'm firmly against. But uh, that would be the that would be the, the only instance of it. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that I'm glad the Reds are not the Red Stockings, the ridiculous name, and Red Sox is only it's slightly less ridiculous. Yeah. Um, now Red Legs, the Reds were the Red Legs officially for a short period of time. I'd be okay with that I, for whatever reason. I think that's fantastic. But. Um, Maybe it's because I started a site back in 2005 called Red Leg Nation. Maybe I'm biased. All right. Uh, question next comes from Joey Gaditza. Joey says, hey, guys, I watched some old clips of Louis Tiant's delivery off the mound, which the Reds argued was a balk. In today's game, would umpires consider such a delivery a balk? Thoughts? Um, first of all, if you haven't seen Luis Tiant, uh, go to YouTube or wherever. Uh, that dude was, first of all, he's amazing. Just a fantastic pitcher, uh, especially in 1975. Uh, but his uh, his windup and delivery was amazing. We don't see that anymore. We don't see that kind of delivery anymore. I love. I, I wish we did. Johnny Cueto is the last pitcher mm-hmm. that has sort of a funky delivery. We don't, you know. But we had we had Cueto. We had Bronson Arroyo with that high leg kick. We had nowadays everyone's kind of maybe it's analytics and they're all trying to get the same motions, but it's it's all vanilla. I miss guys like. Luis Tiant, but uh, no, I don't think it was a balk. Um, your mileage may vary, but I don't think umpires would call it a balk today, uh, mostly because the league office would say, that guy's entertaining. <laughs> Let him do whatever he wants to do. We don't have to end up entertaining pitchers. Uh, Nate, what do you think? Have you, yeah, have, you, right. have you seen it? I went, I uh, saw this question, went and looked a little bit. They, uh, it had been a while since I'd seen any video, but they, they wouldn't. Um, there are some weird setups now. You get a lot of weird hand motions while pitchers are getting ready before they start their delivery. And they get away with that, which is very annoying. Pitchers, pitchers get too much. I don't know why they just let pitchers do whatever they want. But <laughs> I think uh, I think Tiant would be perfectly fine, and he'd probably still be really, really good. Yeah, yeah, probably. No, he was he was he was incredible. Um, yeah, this talk about the 1975 World Series brings up another question to me. And it's that, you know, I have on DVD of all things, I think they're all on uh, on YouTube now, I think, maybe not, but uh, I have all seven games of the 1975 World Series on DVD. And so when I got that, I was able to go back and actually watch them for the first time in my life. I'd never seen any of those. Mm-hmm. And it was it was amazing. 
it was it was so much fun uh, listening to the broadcasting. But what I've always wanted to do is a mystery science theater style, <laughs> you know, broadcast or show where we, we all watch it and uh, whether we're sitting down in the in the uh, you know bottom right corner of the screen or uh, like the mystery science theater, I don't know, but just comment on it from a present day perspective and a present day Reds fan perspective. I think that would be outstanding content. And that would probably get us in trouble with MLB. Do you think we can get away with that? And and if we could, we got to figure out how to do that because that would be amazing content to me. Or maybe I'm the only one that would want to watch that. I don't know. No, what do you think? That'd be so much fun. Um, do that in the off season when there's not a lot going on. I think we have awesome enough listeners that they would keep our secret, and it wouldn't get out there. So what we'd have to do is put it on Patreon and not let anyone else see it. And if you I want to put it on YouTube. It. You know what to do. <laughs> Nate, we need to think about that. That's uh, That would be fun just to watch them together, you know. And, and maybe maybe we can get some some other Patreon, Patreon uh, guys in there. I don't know. Um, I love it. If we could figure out how to do that. I don't know. Anyway, that's just we're, we're, we're basically uh, workshopping ideas for the offseason. Live on the show, welcome to September <laughs> on the riverfront <laughs> with a team over 90 losses already. Nate, uh, this has been fun. You got any final thoughts for us? No, tune in to the young guys for the next couple of weeks and uh, go former Reds in the playoffs. And I don't know, wish me luck uh, this weekend. Wish yourself luck. Yes, I'm definitely wishing myself luck. Uh, no, listen, you know, I'm, I'm actually amazed every week that, number one, we get on here, and we always have a good time anyway, but we actually talk about the Reds and have a good time. That's a, di- that's a different thing. <laughs> and, but I come away from these every week, we're like, you know what? I still have fun talking about this team. That's why we're still doing it. After 445 episodes, my goodness, um, and I, and I'm still gratified and amazed that e- this is this is what the Reds mean to this community. They've been awful. They've lost 90 games, and there's so, some of you who tune in every single week without fail. And I just I, I can't believe it. Number one, thank you for doing it. But I'm also very very gratified, very appreciative of all of you who. Uh, who stick with us, and we we are going to have some things planned for the offseason. They're going to be a lot of fun. We also have our new Bengals show that uh, you can listen to. New episode of that is in your feeds as we speak, so be sure to listen to that. And uh, the Bengals are going to turn it around, but uh, uh, we're going to continue having fun here. And I'm I'm excited about the future of this uh, this thing we call the Riverfront. So I want uh, again thank you to everyone for listening for supporting us. Again, we're going to ask you please subscribe to the show either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. Wherever you wherever you listen to us or watch us, give us a subscription, a follow. Uh, you know, if it's on Apple Podcasts, you may want to leave us a five star review as well. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at Riverfront Cincy and all those places at Riverfront Cincy every platform. And then once again, a huge thank you to our supporters at Patreon.com/slash Riverfront Cincy. This show literally would not be possible without the support of our Patreon family. So we'd love for you to come join in our, uh, our wacky hijinks. Uh, just click the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash riverfront sensi. Uh, Nate, good time, man. Good time. That was a blast, as always. For Nate Dotson and Luis Quinones, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. <laughs>